Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Ajnana Timrandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya, Chakshuran Militam Yena, Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha, Shri Chaitanya Manovishtam, Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam, Dadati Swapadantikam, Banchakalpa Trubyascha, so we are hearing a continuation or or the beginning rather of um, prayers let's see Oh, yes. Prayers of Lord Brahma to Lord Vishnu uh, at the, um, well, we'll hear about it in this first verse. So we're on Canto 8, Chapter 5, Verse 24. So the demigods are in trouble, but uh, unlike, you know, us who may take shelter of, uh, you know, shopping on Amazon when the going gets tough or you know, um, watching Netflix for five hours or, you know, having a few drinks or this or that or whatever, uh, they're taking shelter of Krishna via Lord Brahma. And, but they're in, they're in trouble. They've, uh, Indra had offended Durvasa Muni. Do you remember last week? He, uh, Durvasa was trying to be respectful to Indra and gave him a garland and <laughs> Indra you know, was very irreverent. And he just he took the garland off himself and put it around his, his, the elephant and the elephant stomped on it. And so they were, so that didn't, that didn't help the demigods. They, the curse of Durasamuni. Uh, and also they were being defeated in battle. And so, yeah, it was all, they're, they're not in a good situation, but, but they're, you know, taking shelter. So let's begin with 20, let me just get my notes here. Okay. O Maharaj Prikshit, subduer of all enemies. After Lord Brahma, so Sukadeva Goswami is talking to Maharaj Prikshit. After Lord Brahma finished speaking to the demigods, he took them with him to the abode of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, which is beyond this material world. The Lord's abode is on an island called Svetadvipa, which is situated in the ocean of milk. Purport. Beginning of the purport we're reading. Uh, Maharaj Prikshit is addressed here as Arin Dhamma, subduer of all enemies. Not only do we have enemies outside our bodies, but within our bodies, there are many enemies. And what are those enemies? Such as lusty desires, anger, and greed. Maharaj Prikshit is specifically addressed here as Arin Dhamma, because in his political life, he was able to subdue all kinds of enemies. And even though he was a young king, as soon as he heard he was going to die within seven days, he immediately left his kingdom. He did not follow the dictates of enemies within his body, such as lust, greed, and anger. He was not at all angry with the Muni's son who had cursed him. So Muni is, uh, is another name for sage, not like followers of Reverend Moon. You probably have to be old enough my age to know what that meant, but it's spelled differently. <laughs> Everything. Muni's son. 
Rather, he accepted the curse and prepared for his death in the association of Sukadeva Goswami. Death is inevitable. No one can surpass the force of death. Therefore, Maharaj Pariksit, being while fully alive, wanted to hear Srimad Bhagavatam. And I'll read a little um, more towards the end of the purport. Lord Krishna is very much pleased with his devotees, even if they are not the topmost stage of devotional service. Even on the lower stages of devotional service, one is transcendental. And if one continues with devotional life, he continues to be a deva or sura, um, which means a saintly person, um, demigod-like. If one continues in this way, Krishna will always be pleased with him and will give him all instruments so that he may very easily return home back to Godhead. So we'll get to that second point in a few minutes. But uh, let's talk a little bit. Let me just make sure I somebody else's way. Oh, there's two more people waiting. You see, I knew I had it. I, Henry, I'm going to have to make you a co-host and have you keep an eye on that. Oops. There you go. Good morning, Shakshi. Oh, Shakshi Gopal, it's not morning for you. It's uh, it's um, nine you, at Prabhu. night. You're in India, right? Yeah. Yes, Prabhu. Oh, yeah. Very good. Amazing, huh? Technology. You fly over to India and there you are here with us. Thank you for joining us so late. Hare Krishna. Thank you. I hope you had a pleasant uh, journey. Yeah, it's an okay journey. Yeah. yeah. And you're in Chennai, right? So it's probably very pleasant weather there. Yes, very pleasant weather. Like there were a lot of devotees that are flying on the same day when I fly. Acha. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. And Shushil, you're in Dallas, yes? Wow, we have an international... Yes, Prabhuji, I'm in Dallas. Yeah, we have everything from freezing cold to warm and everything yeah. in between. Okay. Yeah, so last Thursday and Friday was very cold and uh, snowing. Yesterday was melting all. Yeah, very all. good. <laughs> so the enemy within. Um, you know, it, you've all heard this saying, but you may not know the source of it. Maybe Henry would know the source of it. He might be, or Andy might, we might be, old enough to remember this, but there was a Pogo, there was a cartoon, maybe it's still around called Pogo. And uh, there was a famous cartoon in 1970 where Pogo says, um, we have met the enemy, right? Uh, you know, because there's a famous saying, I think in, in the eight, 1812 war, that we have met the enemy and he is ours. That was the uh, saying of uh, one general. Or, but uh, Pogo says, we have met the enemy and he is us. <laughs> And I think that's a good way to look at um, uh, the enemies within, right? Mm. So how to deal with these enemies of anger, greed, lust? Mm. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, if we can plug into the mode of goodness, um, then they don't really have much of a chance to manifest. And, and we've spoken about this so many times before, the mode of goodness is, is, um, is uh, plugged into by being clean. Um, that means externally taking, bath, uh, taking showers, bath regularly, keeping our environment neat and clean, um, associating with 
with clear-minded, clean people, uh, treating other people in a respectful, with dignity, mm, uh, eating food that is in the mode of goodness, trying to schedule our days so that they're more filled with goodness. You know, they say the morning is filled, is goodness, the day is passion, and the eve and the night is ignorance. I mean, not not obviously you can be transcendental at any of those times, but um, <clears throat> but. Those are, you know, we can plan out our day in, 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 in terms of that. So how we eat, what we drink, all of these things affect the modes of material nature that we are influenced by. Um, but when we're, when we're, I probably use the word that when we are affected by the modes of material nature, especially the two lower modes, passion and ignorance, Prabhupada says they dictate what we do. So it's just like, imagine, you know, in the old days, um, in the old movies, a, uh, an executive would have a secretary and they'd say, take dictation, right? And uh, the, the secretary would come out with their pen and pencil, uh, their pa pencil and pad and, you know, and, and start writing uh, the letter that the executive was going to say. So he'd say, dictate this, right? So it was like, well, we have the word dictator, right? Um, and so the, the modes of material nature, they, they, when we, plug into them, they practically dictate to us. Just like Krishna says in, um, is it chapter three, verse 36? Maybe someone can post that. They, you know, by, by, what, by what energy am I forced to do things even though I don't want to do them? Right? And Krishna says, Kama Asia in, in 337, Bhagavad Gita says, Kama Asia, Raja Guna Samud Babaha, that the mode of passion, Raja Guna, it, it dictates uh, Kama, lust, uh, Raja, uh, Kama Esha, Kroda Esha, and then anger. So these things, um, so we, we can choose to avoid, to, to, to in, be influenced by a mode of material nature. But once we kind of surrender to that, we, it's almost like we feel like we're being dictated. And I think we probably have all had that experience. So, you know, cultivating goodness, catching ourselves when we learn what the modes of material nature are like, and we also learn a little bit about ourselves. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> this is a simple example, right? But, but if somebody is trying to diet, let's say they, they have some chips. Um, so they say, put some chips on a plate and then put the bag of chips away. Right, because if let's say you're watching something on television or something like that, or you know a movie, or listening to a pravachan if you're a devotee, a lecture about Krishna, um, if there's just a whole bag, you, you tend to just almost like mindlessly. But knowing that that's what you do, you just put some on a plate, put the rest away, and you know. So in other words, that's just a very mundane example, perhaps. But the idea of knowing how we succumb to passion, ignorance, and then catching ourselves. And running our life in such a way that we're not so affected—that's um, that's that's one way. That's you know. And then, of course, most important thing is uh, connecting with Krishna. Um, this Krishna is, connecting with Krishna is above the three modes of material nature. It's above even goodness. And when we're um, plugged into Krishna, Krishna consciousness then we rise above uh, all the modes of material nature. So, um, and then the other, and so, 
So this is a good example of catching ourselves. You might say, of course, Maharaj Pritchett is a great devotee, but he did not become angry when he was cursed. Now, could you imagine? <laughs> we might not have the same reaction he had. You know, you're going to die in seven days. It's a done deal. Right? Although it wasn't a done deal, he had the power. He was such a great devotee. He could have reversed that, but he took it as Krishna's arrangement and prepared for death by listening to the Bhagavatam. Uh, but he didn't, but it's very interesting. He did not let anger, Krodha, um, affect him. And he, uh, you know, he, he took the, um, he took the road less traveled. <laughs> and that made all the difference, as Robert Frost would say. <laughs> so uh, any questions, comments, thoughts on, on this point? You know, I really liked you, what you said about treating other people with respect and dignity. You know, I think that's one of the most important teachings of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that, Henry. And, and there is, at least there's a, a scholar from Harvard. Her name is Donna Hicks. And she's written a famous book called Dignity. Um, that's the title. <laughs> or at least that's the, and I, I, I found it to be very, well connected with our Krishna philosophy because she she although I, I said you're right Henry you're such a, a astute student you I said respect and dignity but she actually differentiates between dignity and respect I don't know if I mentioned this last week but um, dignity and this very much connects with our philosophy dignity you offer to anyone because just by being born just by being or as we would say just by being a soul part and parcel of Krishna you deserve that dignity. So one could be even um, treat with dignity a uh, very terrible person. But respect is something that's earned by one's behavior, by one's mindset, etc. So uh, we can offer respect to everyone, but dignity, you know, we offer dignity to everyone, but respect may have to be earned. Um, and I thought that was that ties in well with Krishna consciousness, that we have some we have some adarshina that we tried to see everyone with equal vision, even other species. Um, uh, but but we, you know, we, we differentiate who we want to associate with and who we don't. We respect some people and we respect others less. So thank you for that, Henry. Other thoughts? I have a question. Yes, Andy. Suppose we want to go after the low-hanging fruit. What would be the easiest to overcome, lust, greed, or anger? <laughs> Maybe anger. What's that? Maybe anger. Maybe anger. Uh, I was going to say greed, but uh, it might be different for different people also. Yeah. You know, um, the reason I didn't choose lust is, uh, is the uh, sometimes uh, over attraction to sex is compared. Well, is compared to uh, Maitunya Agara, that they're, they're, um, it's a prison house, but you don't see the bars <laughs> because you're so, you know, so attracted. And, and, and as we know, for all three of these, people do some really terrible things in this world, yeah. right? Uh, domestic abuse, uh, child abuse, and with lust and, and greed, you know, people take over countries and and cheat people, and you have Bernie Madoff, and this and that, and anger. Of course, people do all kinds of. So they're all pretty bad. I think for me, maybe I'm maybe this is autobiographical, but for me, I think greed is um, 
would probably be the easiest of the, well, no, for me, probably anger. I don't get angry too easy. Um, but I don't think it's, uh, it's a one size fits all. What about for you, Andy? Well, I don't know. That's, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I mean, I guess you're probably right for each person has to decide. Suppose they want to methodically work on these, right? So each person should decide, well, what would be the easiest one for me to conquer? Right. And I can get one out of three. Okay. I think for my personality, then anger would be the, although I know it wouldn't be anger for me because that's a tough one for me. So it would have to be either lust or greed. And what's interesting is because it's so tricky, there's a school, a bhakti school that would just say, you know, don't worry about it. Be Krishna conscious and Krishna will take care of all three, you know, um, when we connect with him nicely. So but that might yeah. be harder than getting one out of the three. <laughs> yes. But be you better. surrender to Krishna. It's game over. I mean, you won. But that's not necessarily the easiest possible. It's not the easiest, but at the same time, we're meant for love, right? That's that's Rasavai Saha. So developing love in one sense should be relative should be easy because that's who we are. (laughs) Um but I don't think it's either or. I think that's the point, right? Well, I'm not. I'm not saying it's either or. I'm yeah, saying no, I know you're not. Oh, yeah. I know you're not. I know you're not. Yeah, um, because there's this verse, yes, in the fifth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, yes, yasti bhaktir bhagavati akinchana savaya gunas tatra samasate sarahara bhaktasya kutomaha guna manorate nasato davato bahi. That one who takes to Krishna consciousness automatically develops the qualities of uh, the demigod. So one would say, oh, I just have to be Krishna conscious. Don't worry about anything else. So it's not but, but and we have so many instructions in the Shastra, in the scriptures about uh, overcoming, you know, the, the bad qualities that we may have or the unwanted, maybe unwanted is a better word. Yeah. So it's both. You know, we have we also have the example, you pour water on the root of the tree and all the leaves and branches automatically get uh, nourished so that would be the krishna conscious thing right so it's both but that's a great thank you for bringing that up it's a great question yeah um in previous classes one of the previous classes you had shown this thing called the anger iceberg so you know uh anger may be something to look at within ourselves saying you know, why am i getting angry and yeah. it could cause more introspection and um, I know maybe lead to us saying, okay, my anger is really caused because of my lust for this, that, you know, so many, like, you know, on a gross level, it's just for sex. And, but on a subtle level, it could be for, I want power or I I want, you know, uh, uh, my kid to go to Harvard. Right. And, so yeah, lust can be subtle or gross. That's a really, thank you for reminding us of that, Man, uh, that we said how anger in, in, in conflict resolution, psychological terms, anger is often called a secondary emotion, meaning that something precipitates it, you know, like 
you know, your, your child comes home three hours late, you've been worried to death. And the first emotion you feel for a few seconds is relief. And then you get on their case like anything, right? Or if someone cuts you off in traffic, these are the example I gave before. Someone cuts you off in traffic, the first emotion is fear. But then yeah. you honk your horn and say four letter words at them and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, and similarly, Krishna says, kama esha, krota esha. When material desires, and lust isn't only sex, it, it, you know, and we've heard this on the Wisdom of the Sages before. It's, you know, the, it's trying to enjoy this world in whatever, you know, in many different ways. And when that's unsatisfied, then one becomes angry often. So thank you for that, Man, uh, yeah. bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, either Ananda Rupa or Jiva Tattva, wave your hand up. Hare Krishna Prabhu, Danvats. Uh, very good points. I just wanted to share two points. Uh, first one being uh, pride commit before fall. Pride becomes the cause, you know, for one to become lusty. And then lust is the cause of anger and greed. So again, that's... Pride is uh, the one we have to work on. Yes. Okay. And then the second one is, uh, second point is, Actually, these qualities, when oriented towards thinking that I am this body, that's when they are faulty. Otherwise, anger can be used in Krishna consciousness. Lollium, greed can be used in Krishna consciousness. And so lust, anger, and greed, when we are greedy for Krishna, when we, to please Krishna, when we are greedy you know, to uh, love Krishna, so the lust, when directed towards Krishna, turns into love. So these qualities become great qualities when they are properly channeled. Very so nice. it's not like the, I, you know, these items on their own are bad. It, they are mischanneled, right? We are the channeling towards sense gratification, and that is the fault that Lord Krishna is identifying in the context. Hare right. Krishna. Thank you, Prabhu. I remember when I was a kid, we would say, "I'm not conceited. I'm great." <laughs> talk about talk about pride. <laughs> All right. Uh, yes, come uh, on. You have your hand up. So uh, good morning, Guruji. Uh, so my question is, uh, the, you know, if I am proud of something or if I'm proud of somebody, is that a bad thing? I mean, and if you can explain a little. Great question. Well, we use the word differently, right? Like uh, we may say to our child, you know, who, um, you know, did something nice to the neighbor. We say, oh, I'm so proud of you. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's not like, you know, walking around with your chest out and saying, I'm great and everyone else is useless and everyone can kiss my ring, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh -huh. you know it's not that kind of pride. So, so it's an English word that we use, especially I'd say in the, you know, in the last so many years in America, it's become um, a often having a positive connotation, positive meaning, you know, like, Again, I, I like I'm uh, uh, I'm so proud of this team that I have at work. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I'm so I'm so proud of our temple that it uh, it distributed so many books, or we you know we we had we have such nice uh, prasadam that we do, or we do this project or that project. Um, so that's the positive. But pride in the negative kind of used in a different context at a different time when we think we're better than other people. When we, we think that, you know, we, we, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the easiest way to define it, right? I'm just, I'm better than you. And I, got, I got to work on that. I got that issue. I'm, I'm going to work on that. Thank you. Right. Yes. Well, philosophically, you should understand, even, let's say you, you know, you know, um, use, a, use a thing that's in the news these days. You know, um, Tom Brady can say he's better than, you know, um, some other lesser quarterback. I mean, it's just a fact, 
right? <laughs> it's just a fact. It's not, it's not like it, it, it's, it's, but even when we, even for a devotee, when, when that happens, let's say I, let's say I know more, let's say I know more Sanskrit verses than you. Okay. That's just a fact. But the way a devotee thinks is, oh, by Krishna's mercy, I know so many, I know so many verses or, or by my guru's kindness. Right. And so they give credit where credit is due because Krishna says in the Gita, that I'm the ability in, in individuals. I give that ability. And you know, Krishna, Krishna can also take it away. So Arjuna was the greatest, practically the greatest warrior of all time, practically, or at least, you know, top, right? Um, but then towards the end of his life, he couldn't protect some of the uh, Dwarka queens from just some like village people. It's, it's unheard of. He, he could defeat armies single-handedly. Because Krishna had withdrawn that ability and Prabhupada writes because that wasn't required for him to go back to the spiritual world. So, so pride, uh, so dealing with pride, again, it's kind of, you can do it on different levels, right? We can do, and so we're talking now philosophically that if, even if I am the greatest quarterback of all time, that Krishna gave me that. It wasn't, it's not me. And we offer that um, up to others. But when we, it, pride happens when we stop offering it up and we say, no, this is, um, look at me. And we see throughout history that, um, you know, the, I think Jiva Tattva said that saying, you know, pride cometh before the fall. That's, you know, that's what I've prayed. You know, that's what I'm afraid now. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm so proud of my work and you know, I'm so proud of what I do. So I, I'm started to getting afraid, and I'm going to work on that. So uh, yeah, please work on that. I don't fall. Yeah, uh, so I don't fall. Thank you, Guruji. Yes, very good, Dean. Yeah, I was just going to say one thing. Uh, there's this uh, psychologist. He's become kind of um, popular these days. I won't get, get into him, but anyway, he makes a often makes a clever or a keen observation. I think, and one of the things he says to people is um are you know before you think that you're virtuous you should you should contemplate do you are you sure it's not just that you're weak and, and what he means by that is not that virtue is weak by any stretch of the imagination but that you know let's talk about tom brady you know for instance lust most of us don't have the options to fulfill our lusty desires like a guy like tom you know famous people and whatnot so um in other words i think just because you're not acting them out there there may still very well be that um mm. that that uh you know what i mean that motive uh yes. within you and i think we were talking about a little bit last week you know if you're a super beautiful person especially female i guess i mean you just walk around the street and you got people like uh you know, providing you with opportunities to make mistakes and stuff like that. So, yeah. Kind of, kind of interesting observation that he articulates better than myself. Well, it's really interesting to say that because I was listening to this very fascinating interview about, uh, well, I was going to say a young, a young lady. She's in her thirties now. I knew her since she was born. I know her parents. Um, and she grew up as a devotee of Krishna. And then she got into the modeling profession. And she was actually quite successful at it. 
Um, and there's a lovely interview with her. Um, it's on the front page of dundavats.com and I can send you the link. Her name is Shara Nagati. And, but then she stopped, she stopped, she wasn't associating so much with devotees and she was starting to associate with like some famous rock and roll stars and this and that. And she didn't, she, she said it was amazing. Just like very quickly, she became an alcoholic. Hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, it affected her modeling career and this and that. And then, you know, one, she, she eventually kind of, you know, she came back to Krishna consciousness. She married a really nice um, uh, man. Um, and it was a great, it was a very fascinating interview, her whole, you know, I mean, her whole life up till now. I mean, she's still relatively young. She's in her mid thirties, I think. Um, and, and she, you know, she's taken up the Krishna consciousness and she attends, um, uh, she hasn't, I think she hasn't had a drink in six or seven years, but she still attends meetings, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and stuff like that. But, she, but the point was that, she had that lifestyle where, you know, she, she, she is an attractive person and, um, and yeah, people, it, it didn't do her well for her Krishna consciousness. <laughs> well, and you see these celebrities, I mean, it seems like a lot of times their personal lives are, are messes, you know, yeah. um, divorces and all this stuff. And therefore Lord Chaitanya, maybe Ananda Rupa can put this in the chat because she's really good at that or, or Man. Lord Chaitanya had a special prayer. He said, Nadanam, Najanam, Nasundarim, Kavitam Va, Jagadisha Kamaye, Mama Janmani, Jamani Ishwari, Bhavatad Bhakti Rahai Tukitwai. So Lord Chaitanya only composed eight verses <laughs> himself. And this is the fourth one. And so it's it's just it's completely connected to what we're talking. Nadanam. He said, I don't want. Uh, uh, my, you know, if Krishna gives it, that's one thing, but I don't want material wealth. Najanam, I don't want to be proud by having a whole bunch of followers. Nasundarim, I don't want to be uh, attracted by, uh, well, here it says beautiful women, you know, and, and for man, woman, woman, man, you know, nor do I want number, I only want bhakti. And he says birth after birth, meaning I may not even be pure enough to go back to the spiritual world, but even if I have to stay in the material world, I just want bhakti. So there's the, there's the perfect answer, uh, Kamal. To you know, that's a, a prayer you can say. Um, I am listening. I am listening every word of <laughs> Very good. And there's the Sanskrit as well. And it's called. It's part of the. Uh, you could type in someone. Type in the word shikshastakam. It's the uh, shik, uh, shiksha means instruction, and astakam means eight. And uh, there you go. There's a link. Okay. We have not even finished this purport yet. Because <laughs> the second, which is fine. We're having a very rich conversation. I'm, I'm fine with that. So the second half of the purport um, says something very encouraging, I would hope. Lord Krishna is very much pleased with his devotees, even if they are not on the topmost stage of devotional service. Even on the lower stages, of devotional service, one is transcendental if, and if one continues with devotional life, um, he continues to be a deva or sura, a de demigod-like person. If one continues in this way, Krishna will always be pleased with him and will give him all instructions so that he may very easily return home back to Godhead. So, you know, you know, it's kind of, what do they say? Come hell or high water, continue with your uh, bhakti. 
Um, it's uh, and Krishna understands, you know, Krishna understands our challenges. We may think, oh, you know, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not uh, uh, a Prabhupada, I'm not a Gopal Krishnaraj, I'm not a Radhanaswami, I'm not a this, I'm not a that, I'm just a, I'm still struggling with this or that or this or that. Krishna understands. He doesn't only relate to the great, great devotees. He also relates to us and, and appreciates. And if he's, you know, it's just like a parent, uh, just like um, there's a devotee in the community who had a, um, a child some time ago and she's just about to walk, but she can't walk yet. You know, she pulls herself up on the, like on a couch, you know, just stands like standing for a second and then boom, you know. Uh, and the parents don't say, you useless child, you can't even walk yet. What's the matter with you? Right? No, they, they, they completely understand the struggle of the child, you know, and they know that eventually the child's going to learn how to walk. So that's a bit how Krishna looks at us. <laughs> he doesn't go, you, 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 you know, uh, I don't know if you know my, uh, so my wife's from Ireland, so they use the word Egypt, like it means like a foolish person. So they don't say, you know, you, Egypt, uh, Bihari, you can't even walk, you know, you're, you're still struggling with this or that, you nonsense. Oh, you know, Krishna says, okay, you know, keep going, keep going, you know, keep, keep chanting Hare Krishna, keep serving. It, the, the process works, Just, you know, have patience, but not too much. And, and, you know, keep on keeping on. Right. Um, and that's basically what, uh, how Prabhupada is uh, saying here, right? He, he's very much pleased even uh, on the lower stages of devotional service. So any questions or comments, thoughts on that? Uh, yes, Ma. Go back to that pride thing. I would say, oh, you want to go back to pride, okay. <laughs> so like, you know, for example, uh, self-confidence and self-esteem, a little bit of pride is good as long as we don't cross over into arrogance. So so a little bit, we have to be kind of um, say, okay, yeah, I've done this and this is uh, by Krishna's grace. You know, like you mentioned, Varsham uh, Rishu. So Krishna is the source of the strength, source of the ability in man. So, uh, so like there's like a fine line between going from being pride to arrogant. And I think we have to like do some introspection occasionally and watch ourselves. Well, that's a nice way to look at it. We can use different words. Um, humility is not, you know, what's that saying? Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Less, yeah. Or less often, right? Yeah. And and so real humility is, whoa, it is actually not easy to become a pure devotee of Krishna. Mm -hmm. Krishna, help me. And 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 it's so it's 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 thinking more about Krishna and less about ourselves. And Krishna, you, you know, I really need your your kindness and your help. And actually, a devotee should be the most bold. Can be the most bold person, um, uh, because they're not doing it for them. You know, uh, they're not doing it for themselves. They're not doing it out of pride, but they're thinking Krishna can do the impossible. If you read Shamasundar Prabhu's bo books, uh, what is it? Chase, chasing rhinos with the Swami in three parts. He was so bold. He was doing all kinds of wild things. Shamasundar, you know, he just started this. Pandal program. He didn't know anything about India. 
but he started putting billboards all over India. You know, the date is coming, and everyone's like, "There it is." This picture Henry was holding up the book, and you know, thousands and thousands of people came to that pundal. And because of that bold thing, Radhana Swami became a devotee because he attended that pandal. You know, so all kinds of um, and. So, you know, life as a devotee can be very exciting because the devotee can be very bold and active, but fully dependent at the same time. Yeah. Okay, let us carry on. And we're, well, actually there was, um, <laughs> I wanted to just mention these, this point. I'll share my screen and just show it to you. Because uh, it's connected to this, you know, understanding the struggles of a neophyte or new devotee. So these are six um, state, unsteady devotional service progresses in six stages. So utsaha mai means false confidence or one being puffed up with enthusiasm. Um, just thinking, yeah, like in a few weeks, I'll be a pure devotee. Gana tarala means sporadic endeavor being sometimes diligent and other times negligent. Vyuta vikalpa means indecision, extensive speculation. The mind spends time pondering on whether, oh, should I get married? No, should I be a, a sannyasi, a renunciate? Should I do this? Should I do that? Oh, I can't decide. Vishaya sangara means the struggle with the senses or inability to give up sense enjoyment. And I'm sure many of us have had that sometimes in our life. Uh, niyama shama. Inability to uphold vows, I guess that's while, uh, whilst results in the, which, well, which results in the inability to improve in one's devotional service. And tarangarangani, uh, now you become a little advanced and people start uh, respecting you. And so you start enjoying the facilities offered by bhakti, material gain, worship, position. And all of these, these are the weeds around the plant or creeper of bhakti. Uh, seeking pleasure, ranga, in the weed-like facilities, which are small waves to ranga in the ocean of bhakti. So one of our great acharyas, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, so he delineated the six different struggles that, um, that make us anishtita, uh, unsteady uh, in devotion. So you can see how now he's a great, great pure devotee, yet he could understand the struggles of a neophyte. Okay. Anything, anything on that? Okay. Then let us carry on. And we are going up. So oh, we're only going up to the next verse, 25. <laughs> Oops. Uh, text 25. There at Swetadweep, Lord Brahma offered prayers to the Supreme Personality of God, even though he had never seen the Supreme Lord. Simply because Lord Brahma had heard about the Supreme Personality of Godhead from Vedic literature, with a fixed mind, he offered the Lord prayers as written or approved by Vedic literature. And in the purport, Prabhupada writes, sometimes people ask whether we can show them God. This is ludicrous. It is not necessary for one to see God before he can accept God. Our sensory perceptions are always incomplete. Therefore, even if we see God, we may not be able to understand him. Uh, and then a little later, even upon seeing God personally, one who is unfortunate can understand him. Therefore, we have to hear about God. So let me see what, my, what I wanted to say about that. Um, 
So it's it's one thing I I, I gleaned from this is um, an intelligent person asks the right questions. So so Prabhupada wasn't so keen. Well, you know, can you show me God? Um, he would say, we want to act in such a way that God will reveal himself to us. You know, and then he would say things like, you know, you can't just walk into the White House and say, I want to see the president. Right. You know, you need to be qualified to see the president, you need, you know, uh, whatever it is, you have a whatever, you know, in different ways or, or to see the prime minister or you would, you know, whatever. So similarly, we need to have some qualification to see God. So my point is, my point extrapolating from this is one of the signs of intelligence is asking the right question. So in this case, the right question might be, what would I have to do to become qualified to see God? Now, of course, some people may ask that other question innocently, and that's fine. That's not the point. But um, I, I know from my, my day job, my work in conflict resolution, so much of my training and so much of, you know, why they pay me to do this job is because I, you know, know how to choose the right questions to ask. And so we see that in the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna asks all these amazing questions. We see it throughout the Shrima, throughout the Srimad Bhagavatam, um, Prikshit Maharaj, Shonaka Rishi, um, Avidura, etc. They're asking these fantastic questions. So the kind of question that we ask um, is just like you know what what's one of the like not very great questions. You you know you show up to work on Monday. How was your weekend? How are you doing? You know or how, how are you? And everyone says fine, right? Even if they're, you know, dying of leukemia, they basically say fine. Right? You know, I, I, I think I told you this. I, uh, I'm trying. I try to break people out of that habit so that I say, I'll say things like, "Do you really want to know?" <laughs> or I'll say, "Do you have an hour?" Because that's how long it would take me to answer that question. How am I? <laughs> and I go, "No, no, let's get down to work," you know, or something like that. Um, but the point is, and, and there's a beautiful purport in the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam where. Prabhupada says, everyone's asking questions all day long. The birds in the trees are asking questions to each other. Um, and, and people are, you know, I mean, if you think about it, uh, unless you're, you know, in your room all day on Zoom, I'm not on Zoom, but, you know, on Netflix or whatever, you know, you're, if you're interacting with other people, there's always questions and answers, right? So Prabhupada was... Uh, or Lord Chaitanya was very pleased when Sanatana Goswami asked great questions. Who am I? Where have I come from? Where am I going? What is the goal of life? These are fantastic questions. Yeah. So the power of questions, I, I give a whole seminar in conflict resolution on the power of questions. Um, because the, the, you know, asking open-ended questions, for example, and, and just how questions direct the conversation, right? So being mindful and, and of, um, of the kind of questions that we ask one another, you know, uh, I, I, think I, told, I think I've already given this little spiel about questions before. <laughs> But, you know, anyway, this is like our 240th class. So sometimes you don't remember 
times you've repeated stuff. <laughs> but I, but I, for those, I was once walking with a sannyasi about uh, six months ago. Uh, actually, it was uh, Nandi Mukhi's spiritual master. And, you know, we were kind of having a, a, a just how are you kind of conversation. And then as we were taking a walk, I said, so Maharaj, what, what, uh, what are you reading these days? And that just took the level of conversation from here to here. And we had this fantastic 45 minute walk where we're talking, you know, about the, uh, you know, what struck us from the, the books that we've been reading recently. So questions are super important. Any questions about questions? Yes, Kruzi, I, I got a question is, uh, uh, you know, I often uh, think of all those questions that you just mentioned, you know, who am I, where I come from and all those other questions. So my question is, you know, this simple chanting can lead me to those question answer? I mean, you know, can it? That combined with uh, hearing the proper philosophy of Krishna consciousness that combined, yes, because the chanting makes us more receptive, more sensitive, more open, more connected. Uh, and when we hear the, the, the philosophy of Krishna consciousness that we become, um, we can understand it better because our heart is more pure. Makes so, sense. At the same time, um, one, Krishna can give knowledge to um, one who chants nicely. It says that the chanting dissolves the false ego, the, the, the false idea of who we are and establishes our real identity. So, but a combination is nice. Interesting. Thank good you. Good question. You see, that was a good question. <laughs> Anything else? I, I have a question, actually. Um, yes, Adam is, Adam, by the way, I'm surprised his first question after uh, almost an hour, <laughs> but uh, he, he asked good questions also. Go ahead, Adam. Well, um, so my, I was thinking, um, you know, you were, you were, talking about like, oh, you know, if Krishna is real, kind of like, show me, let me see Krishna, you know, right. and um, I kind of just had the thought of like, uh, and maybe this, you know, correct me if this is a slightly flawed way of thinking, but sometimes for me, it, it almost feels like he's revealing himself at every moment. He's there at every moment. It's just that we're not seeing it, you know, and it's, it's like uh, in the better it's like you can see Krishna in every, every, in everything, every instance, every person, every being, every leaf on a tree, every sunset. Uh, he's right there, you know. Like in my science career, I studied a phenomenon called inattention blindness for a while, uh, where it's like an object will be literally right in your field of vision, but if you're if you're looking for other things within the scenery, you completely don't see the thing that's right in front of you, you know, until you're told it's there. And then it's like, whoa, oh my God, how did I miss that? Uh, you know, um, I'm curious your, your thoughts on that. Is it, is it true that it's, it's really just up to us to see Krishna? It's not that he's not revealing himself. It's just that we're not seeing him. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And could you put in the chat what that was? Are you on a computer or are you on your phone? Uh, I'm on a computer. Yeah, there's a there's also if you uh, YouTube 
inattention blindness. There's a really, really fun video to watch to illustrate that point very clearly. Uh, I'm, but I'm yeah, very, yeah, I'll. Uh, I'm interested. I'm noting it down right now. Inattentive blind. Uh, we, we in in my field we call it selective attention, but I think it's somewhat similar. Uh, yes, that's into. Um, that's a perfect description uh, for, we've quoted that verse and maybe um, one of our scholars can put it in the chat. Stavaram jagamam deki na deki sparamorti. That, that um, a great, great devotee sees Krishna everywhere in the animate and inanimate. They look at a tree and they see, it's not that they don't see the leaves and the branches and all that, but they understand, oh, there's a soul inside that tree. And Krishna, you know, is one of the many, many species that Krishna created. Right, so that so um, <clears throat> philosophically, but even in a very advanced devotee, almost like you're saying, you know, just Krishna reveals himself. So the and therefore, we're, I don't think we're gonna we may not get to it today, but there's this purport that says that a devotee um, rejects the material world, and I want to talk about that because the very very advanced devotees, uh, there's a verse that says. Um, um, I just had it in my mind. Vishvam Purna Sukhayate, that they see everything as happiness. So wait a minute. The lower devotees may reject it, but the most devotees, because they see Krishna everywhere. Um, and therefore, whether they're in the spiritual world or the material world doesn't mean make a difference. Thank you so much, Adam, for uh, for inattentional blindness. Adam was a sure. has had many lives in this life, and one of them was uh, uh, teaching neuroscience. Um, he also knows how to build a house in one week <laughs> and other things. Uh, actually, you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that because it that was something actually that came to my mind when we were talking it's, about it's an awareness test. Go ahead, Adam. Uh, it came to my mind when we were talking about like pride and stuff. Um, uh, just kind of thinking about like the things, you know, when we really analyze the things that we're prideful of in ourselves, you know, um, and you were you were making the point that it's all Krishna's grace, like allowing, allowing those things, but it's also like they're all just temporary things, and they're all like, you know, let's say I'm proud of, you know, some skill that I have or some trait. Um, you know, it's, it's not, not only is it bestowed out of grace and mercy, it's temporary one day, you know, sure. my intellect won't be as sharp one day. And I, you know, that'll be gone. The, yeah. the, 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 my beautiful physical body, like one day that's going to deteriorate. That'll be gone. Yeah. everything that I'm prideful of. It's like, well, or it, like some people talking about so hard to have that face or you, you know what I mean? Like it, it was just uh, uh, sort of given, given to you and yes. it's yes. going to be taken away and it's going to deteriorate. And it's like, uh, you know, are you, it's like being proud of something that uh, I, I think you, you kind of get 
Like we get, what I'm yeah, yeah, you're yeah, driving at there, but and that's the example that I gave of Arjuna. That even the greatest warrior in the history of the world, practically, or you know, one of them, uh, he didn't have it for till he left this world. Till, yeah, I was just thinking of a, a very nice devotee. I think um, Henry knows him. Uh, his name is Bali Maharaj in, in Kitanagari. Such a sweet devotee, like such unbelievably nice devotee, and. Um, is elderly, probably in his 80s now. He's done so many things in his life. And I saw a picture of him. He's in hospice care now and will leave this world very soon. Um, and he, you know, he was such an active person, you know, when, you know, in his younger days. And yeah. Um, yes. That's, and then this in, inattentional blindness. It, the, the, gosh, we could, we could give a whole, we could talk about that for hours because it's, it's uh, very true. And, and, one thing we try to do in Krishna consciousness is um, have uh, conscious attentiveness, <laughs> put it that way, and focus on Krishna. Okay, so let us uh, carry on. And we are um, going on from 26 up to 29. So just remember the context. These are uh, the beginnings of uh, Brahma's prayers in 26 that go on to the whole rest of this chapter. All different ways of, of glorifying uh, Krishna, or in this case, Lord Vishnu. So 26. And I think, let me just make sure that's what it is. We're going up to 29. If I, yes, 29. Lord Brahma said, O Supreme Lord, O changeless, unlimited supreme truth, you are the origin of everything. Being all-pervading, you are in everyone's heart and also in the atom. You have no material qualities. Indeed, you are inconceivable. The mind cannot catch you by speculation, and words fail to describe you. You are the supreme master of everyone, and therefore you are worshipful for everyone. We offer our respectful obeisances unto you. So you're in the heart, you're in the atom, you're not material, you're inconceivable unless you give yourself unless you make yourself conceivable. 27, the Supreme Personality of God directly and indirectly knows how everything, including the living force, mind and intelligence is working under his control. He is the illuminator of everything and has no ignorance. He does not have a material body subject to the reactions of previous activities, so no karma. He is free from the ignorance of partiality and materialistic education. I therefore take shelter of the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord, who is eternal, all-pervading, and as great as the sky, and who appears with six opulences in three yugas, Satya, Treta, and Dwarpara. And that's a indirect um, um, indirectly talking about Lord Chaitanya, because in the three yugas, he comes as, as God, and in the fourth yuga, he comes as the servant of God. Lord Chaitanya. In the cycle of material activities, the material body resembles the wheel of a mental chariot. The ten senses, the five working senses and the five knowledge acquiring gathering senses. What are, what are the five? Uh, anyone know the five and five? The five working senses, five knowledge acquiring senses. Anyone want to? Well, I, I think I'm assuming the working senses are uh, like vision. Uh, hearing, olfaction, taste, and uh, 
tactile. Ah, very good. But those are the knowledge acquired. Knowledge acquired. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So go ahead, Jiva. You're you're the expert at this. Hare Krishna. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, remembering Bio Mercy and Krishna. <laughs> there you go. He's not. He's ability not proud. To see, <laughs> ability to see the eyes, uh, the tongue to taste, the ears to hear, the skin to touch, and the nose to smell. Okay, and they acquire knowledge. Yes, right. they acquire knowledge. And then uh, working senses, you know, through which we perform various kinds of activities, are two hands, two legs, and the tongue for speech. And then we have uh, rectum and genitals. Very good. Those Very are the good. ten. There you go. Um, and the five life airs within the body. The body. There's different prana. Uh, you know, people who study yoga, and um, we have a. Uh, a yoga teacher I'm here today in Dana. Um, people study yoga and Ayurveda and um, pranayama and things know that there's these these different airs within the body. And the five life airs within the body form the 15 spokes of the chariot's wheel. So this is figurative, of course. The three modes of material nature, goodness, passion, ignorance, are its center of activities and the eight ingredients of nature. So these are what the world is made of, earth, water, fire, air, sky, mind, intelligence, and false ego comprise the rim of the wheel. The external material energy moves the wheel, this wheel, like electrical energy. Thus, the wheel revolves very quickly around its hub or central support, the supreme personality of God, who is the super soul and the ultimate truth. We offer our respectful obeisances unto him. So if you see this prayer, he's saying there's all these things going on in the material world, and they all uh, revolve around you, Krishna. So it's ultimately a glorification of God. And now in 29, the Supreme Personality of Godhead is situated. <coughs> excuse me for a second. Sorry about that. Is situated in pure goodness that's above the modes of material nature, Sudha Sattva. And therefore, he is Eka Varna, the Omkar Pranava like Om, right? Because the Lord is beyond the cosmic manifestation, which is considered to be darkness, he is not visible to the material eyes. Nonetheless, he is not separate, separated from us by time or space, but is present everywhere. Seated on his carrier Garuda, he is worshiped by means of mystical yogic power by those who have achieved freedom from agitation. Let us offer our respectful obeisances unto him. Purport says, Satvam Vishudham Vasudeva Sabhitam. In this material world, the three modes of material nature, goodness, passion, ignorance, prevail. They're like, they're the victors. <laughs> Among these three, goodness is the platform of knowledge, and passion brings about a mixture of knowledge, uh, about a mixture of knowledge and ignorance, and ignorance, but the mode of ignorance is full of darkness. Therefore, the Supreme Personality of God is beyond darkness and passion. He is on the platform where goodness or knowledge is not disturbed by passion and ignorance. Hmm. So uh, we mentioned this before, so I won't harp on it, but one part of being self-realized and being thoughtful is to be aware, understand really well the symptoms of the different modes of material nature, and be aware of when we are being influenced by them. 
right? So you know you're getting a little um, angry, and that's kind of a motive. It's, well, maybe a mixture of passion, ignorance, a lot of ignorance. You know, if you if you go on a website that has the opposite of your political point of view, right? You, and you start feeling, you, you can even feel it sometimes in your body, right? Or someone says something or, you know, uh, whatever thing, you know, the, there's some stimulus that happens in the world. And, and we see our response and we see that, that which, which mode of material nature is that response coming in? And these modes can be mixed. They're, they're just like primary colors. There's only three primary colors. But when you mix them together, you get all the different colors of the rainbow, right? So um, being aware of how the modes of material nature are affecting us. And then, and then the harder part is choosing, do I want to remain being affected by that mode or do I want to really try hard to elevate myself more to um, goodness? So we study what the modes are and then we study our life and see. And like we said earlier, we try to cultivate goodness. We try to cultivate Krishna consciousness. Okay. So then, um, text 30, unless you have any questions. No one can overcome the supreme personality of God as illusory energy. Well, then let's, okay, end of class. It's all fruitless. <laughs> Prabhupada just said, I mean, uh, Brahma just said, no one can overcome the supreme personality of God, it's illusory energy, which is so strong that it bewilders everyone, making one lose the sense to understand the aim of life. That same Maya, however, oh good, there's a however, thank God, is subdued by the supreme personality of God and who rules everyone and who is equally disposed towards all living entities. Let us offer our obeisances unto him. Purport, beginning of the purport. The prowess of the Supreme Personality of God at Vishnu certainly controls all living entities so much so that the living entities have forgotten the aim of life. So that's his Maya potency. The living entities have forgotten that the aim of life is to go back home, back to Godhead. The external energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead gives all conditioned souls who appears uh, to be, uh, oh, I'm sorry. The external energy of the Supreme Personality of God it gives all conditioned souls what appears to be an opportunity to be happy within this material world, but that is Maya. In other words, it is a dream that is never fulfilled. A little later, therefore, not only does one control, does he control the conditioned souls through the external energy, but he also controls the external energy itself. Bhagavad Gita clearly says that the strong material energy controls everyone and that getting out of her control is extremely difficult. The controlling energy belongs to the Supreme Personality of Godhead and works under his control. Okay, so um, not easy to get out of the world, but Krishna can help and then it becomes easy. <laughs> so it's almost, it seems like, what? It's really hard, but it's not so hard. Yeah, it's not so hard if you have Krishna on your side. Just like uh, the example, and I'm sure, let's see, at least half of us on this call have seen this. In India, you'll probably give this example, and we've given it before, that sometimes a person on a bicycle will grab hold to a tractor or a bus, the back of it, and 
just hold on and not have to do any work at all. And they just, and of course, in, in America, you'd get it, you know, the cops would pull you over in five seconds, but it's a relatively common, um, at least in the more rural areas, uh, common uh, sight to see. So the person doesn't have to do much at all. There's no, even if they're going up a steep hill, just hold on tightly to that tractor or, uh, Andy, did you see this when you were in India? You did. <laughs> You're on mute, but uh, you have to remember if you haven't been to India, when you're on a lot of roads, you're not getting anywhere real fast. Like I was on a giant bus and there were people like walking in front of the bus. I mean, <laughs> so, so it's not like they're zooming down the interstate and the guy's holding on the bicycle. They're going pretty slow a lot of times. You know, sometimes, sometimes, yeah, sometimes they go a little faster. But yes, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But the point is that that is, you know, you're he's plugged into a, a, a energy and therefore he doesn't have to work hard. Mm. So that's kind of like what it's like when we're Krishna conscious, we're plugged into the spiritual energy and we're just, as long as we're holding on tight to Krishna um, and to Krishna's devotees, then we get, we get pulled along for the ride. Now here, um, the uh, verse says um, that he, Krishna is equally disposed to all living entities, right? And so that means anyone, including each one of us, can become free from the illusory energy because Krishna is equally disposed. He reciprocates with our desire. And if our desire is to be free from Maya, then Krishna will help us. Now, the next thing is that, you know, this point about that people have forgotten the aim of life. And that's an interesting topic, you know, um having an aim in life people well, people have right you know you, you you know how many times you read some self-help thing or something like that or somebody says you know like you know a, a olympic person who gets a gold medal well, i had my dream when i was five years old and i've just been pursuing that dream ever ever since right so they had some um they have some aim so to not have a goal either you know, you could say materially or spiritually is problematic. You know, you 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 turn on your Waze app, W-A-Z-E, or, you know, your um, Google map on your phone, and they, and they ask, where do you want to go? And you say, well, I'm not really sure yet. <laughs> well, then, you know, the app can't help you very much <laughs> if you don't know where you want to go. Um, it can help you a lot. If you're sure where you want to go, it'll give you the different routes to take and which ones have tolls and which ones don't, right? So um, now the challenge with having aims other than spirituality, they're not necessarily bad. Um, you know, we have aims in our, in our profession or, you know, um, the way we want to bring up our children. So many things are there and they're, they're, they're natural. Um, but as, as Adam was saying before, they, they are, they can be important, but they are temporary. Whereas our spiritual aims um, don't end even at the end of this body. So we might wanna ask ourselves, what is my spiritual aim? And if I have a spiritual aim, how do I propose to get there? <laughs> Cause you also need a plan, right? You know, there, there's many steps in the process. Mm, yeah. 
So how to get Krishna's mercy so that the path becomes very easy and how to uh, deal with that path and what is that path? And that, you know, we, we've talked about so many times that path is chanting Krishna's name. It's, it's offering your food. It's being a vegetarian. It's, it's, um, it's reading Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam. There, there's sadhana means practice. There's practices that we can do that will um, help us. But to really perform those practices attentively, we, we have to be somewhat focused on a goal. So some, uh, let me see if there's anything else. Yeah, some questions, comments, thoughts on this idea of goals. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes. So that was nice. You brought this um, topic to discussion, aims or goal of life. As long as uh, we are strongly under the influence of all this academic education and the way, uh, you know, our upbringing has been in uh, material consciousness. Uh, so we like to... Uh, visualize or plan for aims, which have mostly to do with um, where we can find ourselves having sense gratification, achieving name, fame for ourselves, basically nothing to do with anything with spiritual life. Mm. And when we, um, with great fortune, we come in, um, um, become in touch with saintly souls or uh, devotees, and then we learn about uh, you know, whatever real position is, um, mm-hmm. basically, uh, we understand how we uh, misidentify with the body. And then we develop an understanding that what is our real position, that we are the eternal souls, our relationship with Krishna, and how, like you mentioned, chanting really helps. Chanting helps uncover or uh, revive over this Krishna consciousness, like Prabhupada would say. And, and we start developing more and more uh, understanding and desire to actually explore more and ask uh, questions in a better manner, ask the right questions about what is the goal of life and how do I get there? Mm. So, uh, yes, I mean, this whole thing helps us really understand what is my position, what is, <coughs> what is, my, <coughs> what is my relationship with Krishna, what do I need to do to get to that goal? which is, you know, like you mentioned before, uh, purpose of life and all that. And so uh, this all really helps actually, like someone asked earlier, will chanting help us ask these uh, kind of questions, which will help us make spiritual progress. And, and you explained that, yes, with chanting and with some reading, hearing that put it all together, that really helps one advance on this path. So just wanted to <clears throat> share Thank this. You. Thank you very much. Anything else? Association uh, matters. Association matters very much. Association is... Um, Sharadia, do you, I forget if you speak Spanish or Portuguese. Are you there? You're on mute. Uh, yeah, what do you mean the association matters? Well, uh, I was gonna. I was gonna say that there's this Portuguese saying um, that uh, "Tell me who you associate with, I'll tell you who you are." And uh, Kangsa said something similar that if you take that associ- 
in, human beings are like crystals. And if you put a crystal next to something um, black, uh, blue, it'll look blue. If you put it next to something red, it'll look red. We're very much affected by who we associate with. And, and we also have a, a little saying that I like very much that Krishna consciousness is caught as much as it's taught. And so, you, you know, you see by associating with other devotees, you see how, uh, how they're Krishna conscious and you get inspired. So the goal, the, the goal becomes clear when we associate with those who are further along the path than us. So that, in that sense. And, and Prabhupada talked about this a lot. Uh, and that's what we say, sadhu sangha, right? The association uh -huh. of sadhus, the association of saintly people. Yeah. I, you know, I thought, you know, it depends completely on me and how how am I? And it doesn't matter where do I go or what do I do. Uh, it depends on how am I from inside. Yes, but it, but I don't, at least for me, it depends a lot on how I choose my association. Knowing that association is going to affect me, I can choose it. You know, that's why when you think about it, um, as you know, there's a huge, huge industry around the world for conferences and conventions, right? Maybe a little harder now during COVID, but, you know, uh, I used to go to a conference, uh, a few conferences a year, um, one for mediators and one for um, ombuds. And why go to that? Because in that association, you learn more about your, your, your job and, and you get inspired um, by, you know, hearing their stories and things like that. So in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it says that the root cause of bhakti is sadhu sangha, the association of, of bhaktas, of devotees of Krishna. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, because we have a couple of devotees, well, Henry just had to go off, but uh, a couple a number of devotees here who like to listen to wisdom of the sages. It's every day you're getting association and hearing the Bhagavatam. And that's why Prabhupada in our temples had us have Bhagavatam class every day so that we're regularly associating with devotees and hearing their realizations. So I think, I think you're right that, you know, you know, it ultimately depends on us but we are, we are um, social animals, as you could say. And we are affected by who we hang out with. So a lot of our free will in this world is who deciding who to associate with. Yeah, I understand that. And sometimes I do uh, hear that nurture has a great influence on people. You know, the nurture and you know, how they grow up, what environment they grow up. So, yeah, the nature? Yeah, yeah uh, no, it's nurture. I'm not sure if you get nurture. Sense. Yes, yes. So it, it has a it has a great uh, role. You know, it play a great role on yeah. people where they grow up or how they grow up. That's right. But in, in the in the, in the same time, and I'm going to give an example from my perspective. You know, when I first came into US, I had a job uh, in a bartender. You know, it was a very big bartender, and I was a bartender, and I worked sometimes. And uh, during that time. Uh, I never, never taste single drop of alcohol, and I'm I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. Yes. And 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 that's kind of related, you know. Uh, it depends on how am I, you know. Yeah. Even though I work every day, eight hours or six hours, 
you know, that's how that's that's why I ask you, uh, you know, is uh, organization matter? You know, from my sense, or maybe it did not matter. No, so you had good, you had strong, you know, you were strong. It would have been easier to avoid it if you were working in a dairy. That's right. That is true. That is <laughs> but, true. but you you overcame your circumstances. Do you have any children? Oh, not yet. No, no. Okay. When you, if you do, and when you do, if especially when they turn to be teenagers, one of the things that every parent is concerned about, most parents at least, is who are their friends. Are they in with a good group? Are they with a you know not so good group? Are they you know? Um, because we know, especially teenage, you know, people are very affected by their association. So, um, and that story of that young lady, Sharon Agati, that I told you, who was a model, um, she got very affected by her uh, association. They, they just, you know, the, every, all the models would go out to clubs every night, and she just got caught up in that. And then she went back to live in the association of devotees. And she got caught up on that. And she would, she said in her interview, associations, everything for her like that. So beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Okay. We have eight minutes left. Uh, let's read on. And because we don't, we're actually not supposed to. Um, the next verse is 43 that I was going to comment on, but let's, let's read some more. And remember, these are prayers. And these are different ways, especially in this tradition, that you would glorify God. <clears throat> so that was, so we're on 31, right? Since our bodies are made of sattva guna, we, the demigods, are internally and externally situated in goodness. All the great saints are also situated in that way. Therefore, if even we cannot understand the Supreme Personality of God, what is to be said? of those who are most insignificant in their bodily constituents, constitutions, being situated in the modes of passion and ignorance. How can they understand the Lord? Let us offer our respectful obeisances unto you. You're so great that we can't understand, so what does speak of others? Right, so again, it's a kind of indirect glorification. On this earth, there are four kinds of living entities who are all created by you, by God, by him. The material creation rests on his lotus feet. He is the great supreme person, full of opulence and power. May he be pleased with us. And uh, the four types of living entities are those born from embryos, those born from eggs, those born from perspiration, and those born from seeds. Text 33. The entire cosmic manifestation has emerged from water. And it is because of water that all living entities endure, live, and develop. This water is nothing but the semen, but, all, but the prophet says in the purport, or the perspiration of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, may the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who has such great potency, be pleased upon us. So try to live without water. Good luck. So that we're dependent on Krishna for that. Soma, the moon, we talked about this, I think, in one of our previous Wisdom of the Sage classes, is a source of food grains, strength, and longevity for all the demigods. He is also the master of all vegetation uh, and the source of generation for all living entities. As stated by learned scholars, the moon is the mind of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. May the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the source of all populaces, be pleased with us. So God, Krishna is the source of the moon also, and the moon helps with vegetation, and it, it, it's, it influences our mind, right? You know, 
the full moon and um, lunatics. Luna means mind. Uh, Luna means the moon, right? Text 35. Fire, which also we can't live without, which is born for the sake of accepting oblations and ritualistic ceremonies is the mouth of the Supreme Personality of God. Fire exists within the depths of the ocean to produce wealth. And fire is also present in the abdomen to digest food and produce various secretions for the maintenance of the body. May that supremely powerful personality of God be pleased with us. So he's going through all the different um, material elements and saying how Krishna is a source of them. <clears throat> and we know that uh, in Ayurveda, you need uh, the fire of digestion is very important or else you won't be able to digest the food that you're putting in your stomach. And, and any, anyone who's ever had indigestion uh, knows that feeling. And that's why it's in, in Ayurveda, they tell you not to take, you know, cold, a, a bunch of cold drinks right after a meal. It puts out that, that those digestive juices, the fire of digestion. It's 36. The sun God makes the path of liberation, marks the path of liberation, which is called Archiradi Vartma. He is the chief source for understanding of the Vedas. He is the abode where this absolute truth can be worshipped. He is the gateway to liberation, and he is the source of eternal life as well as the cause of death. The sun god is the eye of the Lord. May the Supreme Lord, who is supremely opulent, be pleased upon me. All living entities, moving and inert, moving and non-moving, receive their vital force, their bodily strength, and their very lives from the air. All of us follow the air for... Uh, Follow for our vital force, exactly as servants follow an emperor. The vital force of air is generated from the original vital force of the Supreme Personality of God. And may the Supreme Lord be pleased with us. We can't live without air. And Krishna, you are the source of that air. And again, in the Vedic literature, there's all descriptions of, of the importance of air within our body, um, etc. So let's see, we'll do one or two more. May the supremely powerful personality of God be pleased with us. The different directions, and now he's talking about the different directions, are generated from his ear. The holes of his body come from his, uh, of the body come from his heart and the vital force, the senses, the mind, the air within the body and the ether, which is the shelter of the body comes from his navel. Uh, Mahendra, the king of heaven was generated from the prowess of the Lord, the Demigods were generated from the mercy of the Lord. The Lord Shiva was generated from the anger of the Lord and Lord Brahma from his sober intelligence. The Vedic mantras were generated from the bodily holes of the Lord and the great saints and prajapatis were generated from his genitals. May that supremely powerful Lord be pleased upon us. <clears throat> so let us uh, end there. Um, and we will start um, on verse 40 uh, next week, and then we will start going into chapter 9. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> not chapter 9, chapter 6. <laughs> that makes more sense, right? And chapter 6 is entitled, The Demigods and Demons Declare a Truce. So we'll hear about mediation <laughs> and conflict resolution next week. So the... Um, Tomorrow is the appearance day of Advaita Acharya. Advaita Acharya is one of the closest, um, had, um, had a close relationship with Lord Chaitanya. And <clears throat> there's many beautiful pastimes about him in the Chaitanya Charitamrita.
And for those who are interested, you know, it's not like, you know, but uh, we usually on fasting on days like uh, this day, we fast until noon. For Dwayne Tachari is uh, to respect him. Uh, and uh, then not too long from now, another week after that, maybe a day or two, is Lord Nityananda's appearance day, the, um, who's in constant association with Lord Chaitanya. And I think those are the uh, events for this week. There's no Akadasi this week, I don't. Tomorrow's Advaita Acharya. Oh, yes, Akadasi is on Friday, the 11th. So again, those who are interested, uh, we, you know, devotees try to fast from grains and beans on Akadasi. Everything else is, is fair game. And instead of rice, you can have quinoa. Very healthy for you. <laughs> right? And all kinds of vegetables and fruits and things like that. So it's a good, it's actually a good day to give the body a little bit of a break from heavy things like that. So those are uh, those are two, <clears throat> two events coming up this week. So I very much look forward to our, us continuing our study of Srimad Bhagavatam. So thank you very much for a lively discussion today. Hare Krishna. Have a lovely week. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Thank you.